I'm, I know very little about you. We have awkwardly <laughs> stared at each other for the last eight minutes. It's everything about the concept is what we don't do anymore. We don't just have conversations with people where there's not an agenda. Right? It's like meeting a stranger in a parking lot or something and then like, hey, you want to have coffee? <laughs> yes. Oh, so how are you doing? How's your day? <laughs> exactly. Well, we are live here with Coffee with Humans with my soon-to-be new friend, Christina. She's still actually a stranger. I only met her about eight minutes ago. That's the essence of Coffee with Humans. Two people just bumping into each other randomly and then saying, hey, let's grab coffee. Before we got on the broadcast, I was thinking if we could have this discussion anywhere, where would that be? And I came up with, we, we could be sitting in Iceland in a hot spring. <sighs> Lovely. If you could have this discussion anywhere, where would it be for you? Love this question. I'm stumped right now. I'm not really a uh, beach person in terms of getting in with the aquatic life, but I do like to be near it and feel the breeze from it. Yeah. And so anywhere by a beach. What drew you to clicking the button to have coffee with me? was searching and I found this one and it grabbed me. It pulled me in and it just seemed your podcast and Coffee with Humans seemed very welcoming that you were really eager and enjoyed just making meaningful connections. Coffee with Humans is like Sunday brunch. <laughs> I love Sunday brunch. <laughs> okay, good. Because, well, you're in the right place. Only sure. there's no food. Um, <laughs> we are live here with Coffee with Humans with my new friend, Scott Perry. Welcome to Coffee with Humans. Hey, Jason. Great to be here with you. I love your intro. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that fun? <laughs> So two two curious things about the intro. One is uh, I was so that hot spring in um, I in what where's it at Iceland. Iceland, thank you. I was gonna say Ireland. I was like, no, that's not it. The hot spring in Iceland. I like two weeks after I put that intro together, I actually talked with a guy in in Iceland, Avender, and he says, no, that's not a hot spring. And I was like, what is it? He says it's runoff from a silicon. Uh, production plant and it's warm it's also very healthy apparently for you or is seemingly healthy because it's got no no toxins but it is definitely not a hot spring but they do charge a lot of money to sit in it <laughs> uh it sounds like that's their story and they're sticking to it so whatever I know. <laughs> them. yeah i think if you were if it were in uh if in ireland it'd be a peat bog you'd be sitting in peat bog. <laughs> i've never i bet you could i bet you could like dig down in there and just like Oh, my, people, my people come from Ireland and they have, yes. Really? <laughs> is it uh, cold or is it, is, or is it like uh, the, I guess peat moss is a good insulator too probably, right? So you could probably sit in there and stay semi-warm. Peat is, as I understand it, what they, they would dig it up and, and use it as fuel for, you know, staying warm. So yeah. it's, it's got, it's, it's packed with energy, evidently. <laughs> Well, this is this is a we're we're off to a good start. We also wore black today, which I appreciate that. <laughs> and well, as I said earlier, it's it's I'm told that it's slumming and I could use all the help I could get in that yeah. part. <laughs> me too. So I'm curious, what drew you to click the button to have coffee with me? I uh, was on that, I think it's called matchmaker.fm. Uh, just, you know, I'm, I wrote a book recently. I've been looking for ways of promoting the book and just kind of really delighted with all the, the connections I've made through that app. And, and so, but you, what was on offer in your podcast was coffee. And I mean, let's face it, um, this, this endeavor of mine, Creative on Purpose, is fueled by coffee. Uh, and, and so I just, you know, it, it, if you if you're a coffee drinker, you're a friend of mine, and chats over coffee always uh, are always entertaining, and sometimes it can be interesting, even inspiring. I agree. Yes. So on, on the topic of coffee, what sort of coffee have you made today? You so I am drinking Sumatra uh, from the. I live within a stone's throw of a coffee shop in my little town in Floyd, Virginia, called Red Rooster, and their Sumatra is the best Sumatra I've ever had. And I used to be an assistant manager in a Starbucks back in the day when it was the best coffee around. So I I, I know a few things uh, about coffee, and, and Sumatra is my favorite, and they do a really good job. You can find them online. Just Google uh, Red Rooster Coffee and you'll find them. Now, Sumatra is a very dark uh, roast, so it's a lot of richness to that, and maybe maybe sometimes a little bit of bitterness. Uh, what do you do? You gravitate towards the darker, the darker blends. I like I like bold 
uh, full bodied, you know, the, the roast, any coffee can be roasted any way you like. They, they do a, a, a reasonably dark roast on theirs. And so, um, yeah, it's bitter is a subjective thing. It's, you know, just rich, full bodied. It, people love it with cream. I'm a, I'm a, you know, drink it straight up, you know, no sugar, no cream. Uh, it, it helps me get where I need to go first thing in the morning, Jason. Let's just put it that way. Well, I'm an avid coffee drinker, and today I started off with uh, coffee, a dark roast from a mocha pot, an Italian mocha pot, followed by Turkish coffee, real legit Turkish coffee from Turkey, boiled in a real not legit Turkish coffee maker. Uh, so it's got it's it's kind of a medium roast with uh, with cardamom in it and. And the, the 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 scent from the cardamom and the flavor from the cardamom just comes through. I I think it's delicious, uh, but it is a bit of an acquired taste. Yeah, I've never had Turkish coffee. I just recently took on a client that's from Turkey. Um, my favorite philosopher, my favorite ancient philosopher, Heraclitus of Ephesus, comes from Turkey. And one of these days, I'm getting to Turkey and I'm going to have some legit Turkish coffee somewhere on the coast, hopefully. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, Coffee with Humans is about making new connections with new friends. And I, th I think one of the things that is intriguing to me, uh, not only the fact that we are both coffee drinkers and we both wear black, which we must be connected in some way, uh, is this idea of stoicism. And, and I admittedly know very little about it other than there are the stoics. Marcus Aurelius, uh, I think, is one of them that you just mentioned. And... Uh, there are a lot of writings and maybe wisdom to be gained from the writings. What's your, what's your understanding of stoicism? Sure. Well, so I'll just start off by saying I was introduced to the meditations of Marcus Aurelius in the seventh grade. Uh, I went to a school where Latin was taught and my Latin teacher used to have us translate excerpts. Um, he actually was a classicist. So he, Marcus wrote in Greek, even though he was a Roman emperor. And then my teacher would translate the Greek into Latin and then ask us to translate the Latin into English. And I loved those exercises, mostly because I loved the things that Marcus was saying to himself. Excuse me about that. Um, and then uh, it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized that the journals of Marcus Aurelius were actually reflections about Stoic philosophy. Uh, and Stoic philosophy was one of the most popular disciplines in the ancient world. It was around at the same time as the Cynics and uh, the Epicureans, but endured much longer than, than those disciplines. It was kind of overtaken by Christianity, which adopted a lot of Stoic ideas. Um, and it's a lived philosophy of life. It's very practical. It's very pragmatic. And it just the promise of Stoicism is that you can experience a sense of flourishing and well-being and equanimity in any circumstances. Because back in the day, you in ancient Rome, you were probably going to experience either famine or <clears throat> conscription, uh, enslavement, uh, natural disaster, or some combination of those things. And Stoicism says that by, by maintaining control of what's within your control, your perception and your decisions about what to do next and leveraging the human capacity, the hu human social instinct and rational capacity that you can experience flourishing and, and, and thriving in any circumstances. And I have found that to be true. And this has gone on from this or uh, was built into you kind of the foundation it's in the seventh grade in the seventh grade the thing that was amazing to me because so what happened was my teacher would give us these passages to translate and i would translate them and then i would say could i you know please sir could i have some more <laughs> and um he got sick and tired of like <laughs> making these things for me to translate so he said here here's the here's a damn book take the book and so i read that book over and over and over and over again. I never gave it back. Um, and uh, again, it just, what was so resonant with me was Marcus was speaking to himself 
in the same way that I was speaking to myself and the idea that, you know, the, the emperor of Rome, the last mm -hmm. of the good emperors, um, you know, would be speaking to himself in the way that I do was just, a, that was amazing to me. Um, and it's, I've never, I've never lost my wonder and fascination over that. Every time I pick up meditations, I feel like I could be reading something um, that I composed myself. And that's kind of one of the one of the keys that that I think comes from uh, reading the writings of you know people who've lived thousands of years ago. That they are just people. There are people just like us experiencing some of the same fears, some of the same hopes, some of the same dreams. And maybe expressing them in a, obviously expressing them in, in a different culture and different languages, but the fundamentals of who, of who or uh, what makes us human are the same across cultures and across generations. That's, I, I find the same thing to be true when I've, when I've read some of that stuff too. And, and let me run this by it because this is, I think, fundamental to uh, the, one of the principles behind Coffee with Humans, and that is that I think humans have three unique responsibilities, authorities, power, let's say, three unique powers. One is to name a present reality and a different future. We can, we can describe it, we can name it, we can cast a vision. Nothing else on the planet gets to do that. It just exists. Humans have that capacity. Number two is to create, go about creating things, habits, uh, stuff to create that future. And number three is to destroy things that no longer serve us. Get rid of the things that we don't value anymore, the things that got us, you know, this idea of what got you this far won't get you there. We can take things away. We can destroy them. Uh, and sometimes we destroy things out of uh, negligence or, or uh, ignorance. Uh, however, we can we can we can destroy things that just don't 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 belong anymore. So that's, the idea is to name, create, destroy, and I think that that that's one of the principles that you're talking about, or the encapsulation of some of the principles you're talking about. Of if you're gonna if you're going to live your life on purpose uh, or create a purpose, you can name that purpose. You can go about creating it, and you can get rid of things that don't serve their purpose. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so Stoicism was just answering the, the same question that all philosophical and spiritual disciplines were, were answering during the axial age, and that is, um, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be happy? And how can I be more of both? And it just so happens that um, in terms, you know, they got a lot of things wrong in terms of the physics or the, the science, the way the earth works. Um, but with the ethics, they got a lot of things right. Um, and so... Stoicism informs CBT, RABT, and positive psychology, and those principles are still in wide use today. Um, I think, so I agree. So I, I've taken the idea that the Stoic, uh, of the Stoics, um, in, the Stoics say they're defining human characteristics are our social nature, and they believe that you enhance your life most through endeavors that serve others and our capacity for reason. It doesn't mean that we always act reasonably, but we have this capacity, this consciousness is what I heard um, in what you were saying. And I've added on that creative capacity as well. And creativity is always an act of destruction because you are taking the status quo, whether it's external or internal, and you are breaking it so that you can create something that usually in the pursuit is to create something better. And so, you know, once, you know, once you build a better mousetrap, the mousetrap that you just improved is, is broken. It's no longer working. And so this is how progress is made. This is how humans are fascinating creatures. Cause we are, we had this ability to hold two opposing ideas in our head at the same time. I'm sufficient and everything is sufficient just as it is. We love the status quo. We love to know where we stand and what's expected. And I strive to improve myself and my situation. And we're always toggling back and forth between these two kind of opposing ideas. And, you know, our, our striving nature always raises what sufficiency means as we strive, sufficiency pulls up alongside and then we strive. And so, um, yeah, it's just a, you know, one of the, I'm, 
right now um, in the midst of head coaching Seth Godin's Creatives Workshop, and we talk about this all the time, about you know creativity is just this fundamental impulse that we've been leveraging ever since we've been walking upright for making things better. Creativity is a misunderstood word, I think. It's loaded. And I I have experienced the uh, misunderstanding of creativity. I'm, I'm a programmer in my mind. I've, pro- I've been programming since I was in like sixth grade or something like that. And I've... I love the creative process of programming. Yeah, I didn't see it as so much creative. I saw it as kind of this analytical exercise. And the cre- the word creativity, I kind of reserve for graphic design and you know making things, painting things. And if I would look at myself, I I uh, I bought some paints last year, and tiny tiny little eight and a half by eleven, uh, uh, easy, you know whatever they are. Canvas. Canvas, thank you. <laughs> I feel like it's – my I'm words aren't – So I, I, there, I, I, I have a little insight. Go my ahead. words are coming in still. <laughs> um, so I've got, this, I've got this canvas and I thought I'm going to paint something because I'm a terrible painter. And there's a, there's a word – there's, a, there's a, uh, a quote. It goes something like, um, if there is a voice that, in, that is uh, in your head that says uh, you are not a painter, well, then by all means paint and the voice will be silenced. And, and I thought, well, okay, I, I can paint, like, what's it mean to be a painter? Uh, and, and the, the, the thing that kept me from, from painting was I never felt successful in the, in the, in the adventure of painting because I would see something in my mind's eye and it could, it would never come out my hand, you know, properly. And it was, it was sort of broken in some ways, Right. Uh, and so that the thing I saw, the thing I called to being in here, which I saw so clearly, just couldn't get it out. And so I, I thought, well, creative people can think of ways of putting this stuff together and sort of uncreative people can't. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's true anymore. I think, mm-hmm. I think creativity is, is the connection uh, and the creation of anything new that is unique and different and it isn't and and we are all unique and different and so everything that we might call into being is going to be is going to be creative in some way what are you, what's your understanding of creativity uh in in the scope of your journey yeah so my brand is called creative on purpose i've, I've thought about this for a long time and i've thought about it a lot i've i've landed on a definition of creativity is creativity is just the human capacity to make change happen. If you're going to make change happen, why not make it a change for the better, which requires that you do it intentionally and, and, and on purpose. Hmm. And so, you know, you touched on something really important, which is any, so, well, first of all, back up a second, the scientific polling shows that less than 50% of the people worldwide when asked about their creative capacity, deny that they have any. And so how many times have you heard somebody say, I don't have a creative bone in my body? Right. <laughs> Absolutely tragic that our education, you know, our institutions, educational and occupational, have have crushed the creative our our, our embrace and our, our willingness to leverage and engage our creative capacity. But that's that's done on purpose. And one of the things that often I am doing at, at the beginning of any work that I, I do with my clients is reminding them uh, of their creative nature, of their creative instinct, and encouraging them to re-engage with creativity, with their childlike sense of wonder and playfulness. Because creativity is how you how you move from being a non-talker to being a talker, from a non-walker to being a walker, from being uh, a non-bike rider to being a rider, right? And so this circles back to the this creative destruction that you were talking about earlier. You you break what is and you create so that you can create what can be. And the the thing about it is, fundamentally, to be a painter, all you have to do is paint. 
doesn't there's no requirement that you have to paint at least as good as Michelangelo. It's just you just have to paint. Yeah. And the thing about developing the skill and the craft of painting is you'll do a lot of bad painting before you do any okay painting, and you'll do a lot of okay painting before you do any good painting. And even the great painters will only, you know, acknowledge that they only really get one, a good one, every once in a great while. But the pursuit is the thing that is the reward. It's not the result. You don't have to be able to paint the Mona Lisa to be, to experience joy and fulfillment as a painter. It's if you're putting forth your best effort and you are, you know, doing it with a, a proper motivation and with intention and with integrity and 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 in the pursuit of doing it the way that only you can do it, that's going to be its own reward. You're going to get fulfillment and joy from that process. And that's all you're really entitled to. You I, may get results, but you may not. Yeah. I, I w- One thing that comes to my mind uh, is something I read about Shakespeare. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find out what... Uh, uh, what, what's the what the statistics or the numbers were on this? But uh, to your point of you, you write a lot of bad stuff before you write any okay stuff before you write any great stuff, and or you know you write a lot of bad stuff or you cook a lot of bad stuff. Whatever it is that you're going to become great at, you you were at first pretty terrible at. I uh, recently did a video for this little private group I run, and I I asked the. The, the question, hey, do you allow yourself pilot episodes? So in a lot of great television shows, if you look back at the, the initial episode, it was a pilot episode. It was just like a, hey, we think this is a good idea and we're going we're gonna to send a flyer out there. And a lot of them are terrible. But some of them are eh, okay. And there's a bit of engagement. And it's that engagement that, that uh, gets a bit of pull through that then – you go, oh, I'll create the second one and the third one and the hundredth one, and then all of a sudden it becomes, you know, a 20-year show. But we don't allow pilot episodes, I think, sometimes for our own selves to just know that, hey, this is a flyer out there. It could be terrible. And you know what? I'm going to accept that it is awful because for me to get to the great, I got to go through the bad uh, because it is about that kind of perfection. If I can make, if I can get one a little bit, a little bit better, a little more perfect, a little uh, 1% better each day. And Shakespeare uh, the thing I tie this in with Shakespeare, um, Shakespeare, and I, and I wish I could find the, um, the, the, the quantity of things that he wrote. You might, you might know. Um, he had 38 plays, 880, uh, containing 885,000 words, um, of which only a handful were any good. And mm-hmm. most of them were awful. And you never hear about them because they're not worth talking about. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and a lot of other writers in, in, similar, in similar ways or inventors create a ton of work. They go through a lot of effort to create a lot of stuff and out pops just a couple nuggets that are really, really great, really, really timely for the moment. And many of those things aren't even, aren't even found out to be great until years after they were created. And I, I, find, I find that to be an interesting principle that we don't allow, many people don't allow for themselves. We don't allow ourselves to just be like, hey, I created a lot of stuff, and you know what? There's going to be some nugget of gold in there, and I might not even know about it in my own lifetime. Instead, we restrict our creative capacity our, and, and don't, don't take our place I think, take our place in the world. You, when I said, hey, how you doing today? This before the broadcast. What did you tell me? <laughs> Perfect in every way. Perfect in every way. And I was like, this is going to be a great conversation. <laughs> so un- unpack that. What What are you talking about? Perfect in every way. Sure. Well, I just, I love what you just said about your, uh, you know, putting out your initial beta episode. Mm-hmm. It, look at, Jerry's the Seinfeld show. Look at the first episode. Look at the pilot for Jerry Seinfeld. And then look at your favorite episode. And look at nine years of episodes. It is it's a statistical reality that half of the Seinfelds are below average and half are above average. And only a small handful can be the best. It's statistically, you same with your Shakespeare example. 
yeah, we all have to read Romeo and Juliet and Hamlet. Um, and we don't uh, get to read Merchant of Venice or, you know, even the more obscure ones because he could only have one or two that are the best and he's going to have one or two that are going to be the worst and the rest fall on that spectrum. So um, that's that's the gig, as we used to say in, in the music biz. You know, I wish every gig could be the main stage of the Chicago Blues Festival, which is like actually how I began my career. And then it was like a, a, a precipitous downhill run <laughs> after that. But um, yeah, sometimes it's the Holiday Inn, you know. And that's just that's that's the deal. That's the gig. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect in every way is book three. Uh, is part three of my current book, Onward. And the idea is so I've been saying this forever. Okay. And in the the in in the akimbo world that I that I am employed in currently, um, it's just one of the things that I'm known for saying. And what I mean by perfect. So people often will say, "Oh, you mean." The Mary Poppins line. It's like, no, Mary Poppins was only practically perfect in every way. I'm perfect in every way. And here's what I mean. Obviously, I'm perfectly imperfect. Um, but what I mean by that is, and this is actually goes back to stoicism. All we have is the present moment. You know, to a point you were making earlier, we make human beings make sense of the world through narrative. We tell ourselves stories about ourselves. We tell ourselves stories about our situation. We tell ourselves stories about other people. We tell ourselves stories about the stories that other people are telling themselves about us and on and on and on and on. Now, a lot of folks are cycling on unhealthy narratives about their past misfortunes, failures, what have you, that impede their ability to make progress in the present. A lot of people are attached to outcomes in the future that they don't have any control over. And are therefore suffering because of their attachment to things that they have no control over. Right now, everything is perfect in every way because right now you get to choose the story you want to live. Right now you get to frame your situation, frame yourself, and you get to choose your next step and take that next bold step into possibility. There is no perfect outcome. The outcome is always uncertain. Adversity is inevitable, but you get to play the game. You get a chance to take a, another small, bold step into your potential and possibility. I don't know what it could be more perfect than that. Therefore, everything is perfect in every way. Yeah. It's an it's a kind of a mind-boggling thought, I think, for a lot of people to consider that it's all quite perfect. Right where it's at. And I wrote a, what did I write? I wrote a article. Um, oh, I think it was something like, you are exactly where you need to be. Exactly. And and at the beginning of the article, it's like, I, I kind of unpacked this idea of like, I can hear, I can hear the thought in your head uh, that says, no, I'm not exactly where I need to be. Things should be totally different than they are. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm better than where I'm at. And like kind of this, this idea in your, that you, you, you talked about earlier, which is we can hold two thoughts in our head. We can hold both the, uh, the, or conflicting thoughts, it, right. Um, thoughts that create tension, one of which this is my present circumstance, but this isn't the way it should be. Uh, or I can't believe, you know, I'm in this place and I've done this stuff, but I'm better and I can come out of it. And it is that life tension, I think, that draws us forward, kind of like that rubber band. Um, Scott, uh, Scott Kelsey, uh, friend of mine here, love, love the chat, guys. Glad it popped up and I was able to listen a bit. Thanks so much for watching. And if you're just joining us, uh, we're chatting about stoicism, life purpose, and living your legacy with Scott Perry uh, with creative on purpose. So back to this idea that, uh, that there is a tension. And I think that we all feel that, uh, or should feel that and should not get rid of it. That, that, uh, we can create a different reality and yet everything is totally fine the way it is. <laughs> That's, um, it is a big, big concept. How does that how does coming to that understanding change the way you live or change the way uh, change the way people live around you? 
love that question. It's a, stoicism, stoicism is a philosophy of agency. Agency is one of the things that we have given up for the certainty that if we go to school and get good grades and do what we're told and keep our head down and you know go along with the coercion of schooling, that we could then, um, if we you know do what we're told, we're going to go to a good college. And if we do what we're told there, we'll get a piece of paper that will help us get a, a good job, which will pay us enough so that we can um, take a week's vacation to the beach and have a, a miserable time there instead of uh, at, at work. And if we do that for long enough, we'll be able to retire um, and uh, you know play some golf before we die. Um, what we've learned in the last year is that there is no certainty. Like everything always is and has been uncertain. It just was every day was just another one of those for so long. We got lulled into this false sense that just do what you're told, keep your head down, and everything will be taken care of for you. The thing, it, again, to your point about settling for the status quo, about just going along, like you can choose to be the agent of your destiny, an agent in your destiny. The Stoics believe that things are unfolding the way they are. They believe in accepting your fate as it comes, but they also believe in being. Uh, that life is not happening to you, that life is happening through you. You can't know what destiny has in mind for you. So therefore, be an active agent engaged in living your life. Do it in pursuit of cultivating character and, and serving others through meaningful endeavors. And as soon as I started to think about just taking ownership of my the way I was framing myself in my situation this as soon as i started taking ownership for the ch choice of choosing among the choices in front of me and making a decision and acting upon that choice and trying to do the best i could you know take action with intention and integrity this that's when i began to realize that i really can experience this equanimity this tranquility this joy whatever you want to call it even when i am you know, experiencing misfortune or navigating obstacles or just failing in my pursuit of failing forward and into the, the, the future that I'm trying to manifest for myself. Um, and by not attaching myself to the trappings of doing what I'm told, um, it's just been immensely beneficial to my, you know, to my state of well-being. I come from a family that is prone to um, depression and all, all, all the things that go along with that. Um, and it's, I credit, you know, just this way of thinking is being one of the ways that I was able to navigate around, um, you know, a genetic predisposition to, uh, you know, be, have a darker, gloomier point of view. Yeah. The responsibility and authority to, uh, set the rules, I think is, a uh, a key understanding. I went out to coffee with a friend a long time ago, and he's he's like, "Hey, Jason, you know what? Why? How have you done all the things you've done?" And I said, "Oh, I sat there and like I don't think, and I don't know." <laughs> and then, and I was like, "Well, you know, uh, you know, I, 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 I said at one point in time, I came up to the, uh, came to the conclusion that all the rules are made up, and the rules were made up by people like you and me." And I get it. There are rules of the universe that are immovable and we shouldn't break. And when we try to, all sorts of terrible things happen. However, a lot of the things that we have created around ourselves about the way the life works was simply made up. Mm -hmm. And to your point about last year, you know, this idea that all the sure things of, way, of the way economies work. Oh, turns out the rules were just made up and they changed the rules because the moment suited it. <laughs> you know, we needed to change the rules to keep the economy running. So everybody gets to sit home and collect a check. The, the understanding that we individually in the micro have the ability and I think responsibility and authority to create rules around us to make our own situations and, uh, and, and the situations of, of people within our sphere of influence 
markedly better, you know, some some measurable measure, measurably better. I think when we come to that understanding, the universe sort of carves a path for us. I think uh, there was Carolyn McHugh. I love this quote. She she gave a TED, TEDx talk. Carolyn McHugh. She said, "Most of us don't take up nearly the space the universe intended for us." Most of us don't take up nearly the space the universe intended for us. The idea being that we could be, we have it in our mind's eye to create massive impact. And most of us shy away from that and say, ah, not me, not now, not this. And some people stand up and say, no, I'm, I'm going to demand from my life a greatness, a great impact not necessarily to be so that so that people would look at them and go, yay, look at all the great impact. But they walk into their fullness. I'm going to do everything I can for the things I have to make them as, as impactful or meaningful or as in a purposeful way. And that I think is, I think that's one of the, one of the key concepts that if you, people can come to that conclusion in their lives and then, man, walk forward with an energy, uh, I, I think, again, the, the, it's those folks that we look at and we're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe the, what they're doing out there. Yeah. Well, you're t- pointing at something really, really important and that's this idea of purpose and where, where does it lie? And, and we think that purpose is a destination. Um, we think that, you know, passion is something we have to go out and find. And I thoroughly disagree with that. 80% of people asked to identify their purpose or passion respond with, I don't know. So this idea that we spread that you have to find your purpose and your passion is an invitation to shame to 80% of the people on the planet. Mm. That's, that's deplorable. What I have found is the exact opposite that purpose and passion pur- pur- purpose and passion aren't finite resources that you mine um to depletion while you're trying to build something or do something that if you if you do the work right in front of you if you enter the conversation with a person right in front of you with purpose and passion passion becomes a renewable resource that you can continue to pour into that work, that conversation, that relationship, and can then pour into other endeavors as well. I know I work with a lot of people that are very successful professionals, doctors, lawyers, what have you. Many of them are miserable because they thought that doing that the work had purpose in it. And what they found was they don't like doing that work. The sunk cost is too great to do something else. At the same time, I work with people that are, you know, fundraisers and nonprofits, coaches themselves that are just getting started, struggling artists that experience a great sense of joy and purpose every single day, despite the fact that they are not succeeding in the way that, uh, you know, the, the clients that are doctors and lawyers. It's because they are bringing purpose and passion to the thing that they are doing. And by doing that, they are they are cultivating more of that. And so that's, that's to me, the secret. Purpose isn't a destination. Purpose is something that you bring to whatever it is that you're doing. And by doing that, you will, you will cultivate more purpose and passion. And you can then pour that back into whatever it is that you want to do next. Yeah. Uh, something I've been noodling around recently is this idea that there's found, there's this foundation of who 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 we are, our identity as individuals and and why we exist in the world. And then there's the how do we express that, which is really built on top. And I think most of the times we get this upside down because like you talked about earlier, this idea that we're we're sort of programmed to go through school to get some skills to figure out what do we want to do as our job as though that equaled purpose. And then we go get that job. And we, what we did is we, we flipped this thing and we said, now I've got this thing that I'm doing. How do I make that meaningful? And it was never designed to be that way because if we got rid of the thing that we were doing, like many people had to last year, all of a sudden there's like this existential crisis and, and we're not supposed to live in existential crisis simply because our job disappeared. 
the and that I think is building a life upside down. Whereas if we then flip it and say, okay, who am I? Why do I exist? And what purpose do I serve in the world? Who, what's my identity? For me, I can express that in in thousands of different ways. And the uh, this idea of reinventing oneself, we're kind of at a critical moment. We're at this inflection point for a lot of folks that they have to reinvent themselves because what they were doing is no longer there and they've got to do something new. Mm. At reinvention becomes a, a becomes a much easier process, much more freeing process, much more creative, exciting process when we know who we are. Yeah, it's interesting that you use that term because I just published my blog something on reinvention versus becoming. Because I've thought about myself as reinventing myself many, many times. I reinvented myself from becoming a juvenile delinquent to being an athlete, from being an athlete to being an academic, from being an academic to being a restaurant manager and then a professional musician and then a coach and blah, 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 blah. And as I've looked at it, looking back now, I can see a through line in that I've always been teaching and coaching through all of these various endeavors that I've been engaged in. Um, and I've always been in this pursuit of becoming a better version of myself through the work that I that I'm doing, and so I'm I'm thinking about it more and more as this act of um, rather than than reinventing, which sounds to me a little bit more rigorous and like hard work, and just this more to me more organic um, and, and less fretful becoming like I just wake up every day. It's like, I'm just, again, sufficiency and striving. I'm fine just the way I am. Guess what? Today I'm going to try to be just that much better. What I'm doing, I'm doing well enough. I'm going to try to do it just this much better. And if that means that from time to time, I'm going to pivot or change directions, or maybe even back cycle to something I've done in the past, that's just part of the process. And you can, you know, you can think of it as self-discovery or evolving or whatever you you think, but um, and what and you can think of it as reinvention. But just what what matters is that you're engaging in your life, in your work, and I don't see any distinction between those two things with intention and integrity. I am doing this for purpose, on purpose, with a purpose, and I'm doing it with and for the people that I find myself with, and. Um, and I know who I am, what I believe, what my core values and guiding principles are. And I am trying to match myself with people who share my values and need my talents to enhance their lives. And those are the people that I'm going to craft a life and pursue excellence with. Yeah, man, I love I love the deep thoughts that you've uh, that you have gone through to get to the clarification of what uh, and communication. Right. Clearly, obviously, you wrote a book. Um, which I love. I, I love. I love the idea of writing books because it forces, or should force at least, a lot of clarification of concepts, distilling it down into what's meaningful to say and what's not. I I I really appreciate the distinction that you make between reinvention and becoming because reinvention does it does seem like um, you take component parts and you craft something new, and I don't think that's the process for people. The, I th I think we are uh, we're much more like Plato, um, the, and I actually Plato, the, the 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 clay, not the not the not the not the philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, and I don't know where my shoot. I usually have a thing of Plato here uh, because I I fidget with it. And people, I think, are like play D O H, <laughs> play do, uh, in that Plato was always Plato, and everything that Plato has become, everything that has been turned into, is still it's always been that. Uh, and the the next the 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 next thing that is created can can build on something. Or we can kind of smush it down and totally re reform it, but it never became not Plato. Right. We are never, we are never uh, unbecoming something that we were. We can use that, or we can say, "No, I'm not. 
I'm not that. I'm 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 total I'm going a different direction and it doesn't look at all like my previous direction. However, I've still always been me. And that's that's where uh, you know my 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 uh I don't know if I've, I if I think of my my wording for my year, I send I tend to set an intention out there. It's love your journey. And that's because I set it out there because I tend to love destinations and not journeys. And I thought, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to love the journey exactly where I'm at. And and if I'm on a journey, the, my intentionality about Coffee with Humans is that if two people just walk together on a journey because we're on different paths and, hey, 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 how are you doing? I noticed you're on the same. Oh, we walk together for an hour and we're intentional about bringing something good about that. I think the universe bends its bends to our will and says, yeah, create something good out of this and it shall be. And then we can continue to walk together or we can go our separate ways. And the journey for each of us is indefinitely long. And to any place we want to go, we can go up the mountain, we can go down to the valley. Sometimes the storm comes and we're knocked off the path. Sometimes we know we're not on a path and we're like bushwhacking through there. We're like, man, this is much more difficult than it should be. Well, you're not on a path back up a little bit or, hey, the path is over here. We tend to know those things, I think, in our own souls. Like, I'm not on the right path here. I'm not on the path that I want. I'm not on the journey I want. I want to go over here. And I th- I think this idea of of being intentional about where it is you want to go, who do you want to go with, and then and then when we get up in the morning saying, listen, I, I have a life. I, I can tr- – I, as much as my destiny is somewhat controlled around me, I am also in control of my destiny. And if I at least set off with that intention, you know, this the coffee with humans thing, I make no bones about it. I absolutely intend for great things to come from coffee with humans. Every every conversation I have and it's never failed. I and and part of it is that I demand I it's like I demand a return on on all of my life experiences and my and and whatever capabilities I have to be able to open up a platform like this and understand the live streaming and have all this stuff, I demand a return on it. Because I think we I think we're supposed to as people. And I think that's what kind of the Stoics talk about. It's like, hey, craft this, become, make, create, and at the same time, rest for a little bit and say, hey, it's perfectly the way <laughs> it's perfectly great the way it is. <laughs> Well, you just you, you're, you're paraphrasing my favorite quote from Marcus Aurelius, which is "Love the humble art that you have learned and take rest in it." And what he means is, the humble art is the art of living, the art of living well, and take rest in it is to accept and appreciate what destiny has has given you. And I, I mean, I think what you just said is is a mic drop moment. I mean, it, we are agents of our destiny and we are custodians of our experience. We get to have life go through us and we get to decide how we're going to frame what's going on and everything can be a lesson. You know, Viktor Frankl who wrote Man's Search for Meaning experienced seven Nazi death camps and experienced a sense of equanimity through that whole experience and and took it and turned it into the joyful exercise of making the world a better place through his writing, through his speaking, through his um, practice uh, in logos therapy. I mean, what an incredible, what an incredible accomplishment that even in the midst of that horror, somebody could continue to find the silver lining, find the opportunity to be a good person and to try to help his fellow human beings. And that's on offer for the most privileged of us, of which I am a member. Um, And it's also available to someone who is experiencing the worst that humanity uh, or, or the world can throw at it. And so, uh, you know, the sooner we all start to accept responsibility for our thoughts and actions, the sooner we can all start to recognize that 
we have this model that opportunity and um, resources are scarce and everybody better you know if you have the if you have a chance to grab them you better grab them at the expense of somebody else the truth is there's an abundance of opportunity and resources and if we apply ourselves to that and accept that and and work harder at making more opportunity and more abundance available to more people the world will just get to become a better and better place. This is one of the great things about the internet and all these powerful digital tools. Everybody has access to the wisdom of the entire world going all the way back to recorded history. We all have that. If you have any kind of device, you are connected to the totality of the experience of humankind and you can leverage that for whatever purpose you want. Why not leverage it to make to enhance your own life and the lives of the people that you find yourself surrounded by. I love it. That's awesome. Well, Scott, how do people get in contact with you uh, to take this conversation further? Um, it used to be that you could Google Scott Perry and there I would be. Um, I then did. There was, oh, well, and so who did you see? The basketball I, coach or the uh, politician? I came up with creativeonpurpose.mykajabi.com. Well, actually, you can just go to creativeonpurpose.com. Wow. And finally finally whitelisted that domain awesome um, yeah if you put uh if you put scott perry and creative on purpose in a google search you'll get to creative on purpose and uh we're having a great time over there we have uh lots of resources that are speaking to all the things that you and i've been speaking about today jason um and there is you know coaching and community on offer for those that want to take a bolder step into their potential and the difference only they can make um but yeah, would would welcome anybody taking a look at what we're building over there. Awesome. We're time. Great conversation. I love it. Uh, and I trust that great things have come uh, from our time spent together uh, for all of our viewers and listeners. Thanks, yeah, This was really fun. Appreciate it, Jason. Thanks for all you do and the difference you make. All righty. We'll chat soon. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls. This has been Coffee with Humans. Subscribe to get updates or click to have coffee with me. coffeewithhumans.com.